athletics, theater, music lessons, honors classes. They're all great things for your child to be involved with, but are they stressing the kids out? In this episode, we learn what parents can do to help their child experience less stress from their busy schedules and help them to be more successful through the practice of mindfulness. The ancient Greeks defined happiness as the joy you feel moving towards your potential. To think about positive psychology, it's a science, and it's actually younger than the Internet, believe it or not. The reality is that social connection is, in the research, the greatest predictor we have of long-term happiness. You have some factors in your control that can promote the health and resilience and growth of your absolutely most important asset, which is your brain. And so it all comes down to understanding ourselves. There's a way for all of us to succeed, but but it might take different things. We're all looking for the same thing, and that's a way to bring a little bit more joy to our day. Join us as we look at the many different paths that lead us to that happy place. This is Live Happy Now. Hello once again and greetings. Welcome to the Live Happy Now podcast. I am your host, J.R. Houston. Pleased that you are joining us wherever you are in the world, however you may be listening. It's exciting that you are making us a part of your day. And as always, we've got to encourage you to take another one of our products and make it a part of your day. Live Happy magazine. It's easy to take it with you because it's available in newsstands. You can find it just about anywhere. Or if you're the e-reader type, you can find it in the Apple Store or the Google Play Store. And it's available now to carry on your phone as of earlier this year. So really, if you want to read the magazine, there is no excuse not to get a hold of it. The digital edition also has all kinds of extras packed in there for you, including ways to learn more about this podcast. See, it all circles back around. And we're glad to be partnered with Live Happy Magazine. We're also glad to have our guest with us today. Susie Wolby holds a Doctor of Education in Educational Supervision with a concentration in Curriculum and Instruction and has spent 30-plus years as an educator in public and private schools. Now, the reason we're talking to her is about kids and their stress levels. And you can imagine that she's seen plenty of that in her time. And by making use of mindfulness, she says, we can learn how to manage the overwhelming demands that we sometimes face. And she says she's now committed to helping others do the same, especially as it applies to students, educators, and parents. Well, Dr. Wolby, you've uh, spent years with children. You've had uh, children of your own, grandchildren. You've made children's clothing. And now we're trying to use mindfulness to empower children. How, how did you get so interested in helping build up uh, America's and really the world's youth? You know, I've always, I knew I always wanted to do something with children, and that was not an option for me. The mindfulness is really the new part for me. Mm. And during a four-year period, I lost both of my parents and two of my children married. And that's when I was I found out by hitting that mountain that whether it's a happy or a sad life cycle event, mm. it, you can really be brought to your knees if you don't truly know strategies to help yourself for self-help and i had always been fine but it was well into my 60s that i really it brought me to my knees and so i looked for the mindfulness and i knew that if it helped me as much as it did then how could we possibly not offer this to children sure. and to teachers because they are the future and they need they're not going to get it through osmosis. They, right. they need to be truly taught. 
And as an educator, that's something you were passionate about totally. uh, from the time that you probably even before, uh, if you were like a lot of educators, probably when you were a kid yourself, you'd play Absolutely. school and those things. Absolutely. I knew that I wanted to work with children. I always involved myself with younger people. And uh, it's it's a blessing. I've learned from them. They've learned from me. And they've truly been a blessing in my life. So you spend a lot of time around a lot of children, a lot of their families. What would you say are some characteristics of successful and happy families that you've noticed over the years? For the happiest and most successful families where they experience maybe the less, the least amount of stress, I would say that uh, families, first of all, where everybody has a voice, they mm. whether they have a a legitimate written down family mission statement or vision statement or they've just talked about it enough that they really do understand what's important to them as a family what's not important that keeping up with the joneses or getting into some ivy league something or other that's not what's going to be the biggest thing in their lives they want their children to be happy mm -hmm. and Everybody is a part of that, and they know they're on the same team. And also, those children are not overly scheduled, and therefore, they, they get enough sleep, and they know that they're all part of that team. That was one thing I was going to ask you about, too, because even, and it's been two decades since I've been a child, sure. uh, but in those two decades, so much has changed uh, for kids these days. And, and I remember being a kid and I had like maybe one sports practice a week, yeah. uh, you know, maybe two classes of something outside of school. And nowadays it seems like everybody's busy until eight o'clock at night. That's exactly right. Uh, how do you keep kids from being so stressed? You know something, if you are going to be a family that has your child enrolled in one or two activities every single day after school and they don't get home until 8 o'clock, they're going to be stressed. Mm -hmm. And the fact is, I know that everybody wants their children to be able to experience anything that they're interested in, but... Not everybody's going to go to the Olympics, and not everybody needs to go to the Olympics. There are, if you, if just thinking about the Olympics, you have all sorts of people that were involved in a million different ways, and not all of them, and in fact, probably very few of them got there by going to the five hours of practice every mm. single day from the time they were in kindergarten or preschool even. You need to let your children slow down, and they need time to be with just their family. They need time to be by themselves, just that downtime. They need time to accomplish the things that they are that they must do, whether it has to do with school or whether it has to do with a home chore. Whatever, everybody has a responsibility. And when you start that, when children are very young, preschool, everybody has something that the family counts on them to do. Otherwise, it won't get done. Mm -hmm. Then you can slowly build up and they'll always know this is my job. And quite frankly, if somebody wants to take five lessons and they're all scheduled on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, then isn't that a wonderful learning opportunity? What are the pros and the cons? Why do you want to take these things? 
what are you willing to choose? Mm. And teaching them how to make a strong decision, one direction or another. It's it's interesting to me that you brought up the Olympics example because I went to I grew up with and went to high school and college with a woman who competed in the Olympics the past two Olympics in Rio and London cool. and it, that was her life she chose this sport she was good at all of them she would have been our quarterback if she had gone out for right. football but she chose volleyball and she would do two nights a week of practice outside of being in school with a club or whatever and translated that into a national championship and and the Olympics. So you don't have to be just hyper-focused on everything. She always had time for her friends and her family, too. And you shouldn't be. The key thing that you just said is that it was two afternoons Mm -hmm. after school, and you can be that tuned in to your passion. But if you think about a jigsaw puzzle, there are many different pieces, and they all have to fit together in order for you to be a well-rounded person. So that athletic event, that family event, those friends, that downtime, that time in nature or outside, whatever it is, with no expectations, it's wonderful. But you need a well-rounded Hmm. experience. And you're not going to get that if you are constantly programmed 24-7. No, absolutely not. You know, you don't have time to make the social connections within or without of your family. I mean, absolutely. it's just incredibly difficult to do that. Absolutely. And with the technology and everything else, preschool teachers find children coming into preschool with fewer social emotional skills than hmm. they had 10 And 20 years ago, because they are now so much more programmed or they're working with technology from a very, very young age, as opposed to what was happening 10 or 20 years ago. That's putting everything a step or two behind what it used to be. We can't be a master of everything. It's impossible. And and you can't learn them if you if you are so focused. Absolutely not. Absolutely. Some parents and I've seen this. It, it I think it really kind of started. It might have started before, but I really noticed it uh, in my high school years in the early part of of uh, the two thousands. Parents getting hyper involved in right. their kids' activities right. and fighting their battles and those sorts of things. How do you? sort of straddle the line between being supportive of your child and their endeavors and being a helicopter parent? You know, we would all love to save our children from any difficulty that is going to come their way. We yeah. would we would love to do that. But the truth is, if we fight the battles for them, then they'll never learn how to fight their own battles. The best thing that parents can do to be involved and be supportive but not turn into those helicopter parents is for that young child to always have a team approach. So it's the school, the child, and the parent. And what can we do together? If you hear something, instead of calling and getting hysterical to that parent or jumping right over and going straight to the principal or the other parent, stopping and saying, I heard something Something doesn't quite sound right. And having that conversation with the school, how can I support you so that all three of us can, you the school, us the parents, 
how can we then get together to support Johnny in growing up or Sally, whatever? And with when a child gets a little bit older, well, gee, that is a problem. How does that make you feel? What are you going to do about it? How can I support you? And that can be an upper elementary age child and mm. certainly beyond to how, how are you going to set up the appointment? What is it that you're going to say? How are you going to say it? What is a way to express yourself? And role-playing with your child, you can go to the meeting with them, but it's your child that needs to set up that meeting. It's your child that needs to do the talking. And that is a child who's going to turn into an adult that knows how to handle their own difficult situations and establish resiliency in the in the same time. And that's hugely important. We have... Even five years ago, you had parents who were calling college professors Mm. saying, you have ruined my child's life because we got a B or a C on a paper. We and the child is not even in school in the same city as the parents. But that's how you know a parent has maybe crossed the line. Yeah, gone a little bit too far there trying to be uh, on their team. And and, and like you said, it's it's understandable. You want to protect. You want to be there and guide and help. Absolutely. But but at a certain point, uh, a bird's never going to fly if you don't let them spread their own wings. You know, I used to tell parents when I was at at a school that kindergarten through eighth grade, which is where I was a principal, that's a wonderful time for your child to fail. There is not one thing that's going on that college transcript. Right. Not one thing that's going to impact the rest of their lives. And even if they are in high school or college, life, if we're lucky, is a very long experience. And you can come back. There's not one incident that has to define you. Sure. And so let them learn from it and then make their way past it. And let them be little, too. Let them make those mistakes Absolutely. on their own. You know, you see them going to do something. And my dad does this to me, and he did it to my... Okay, go ahead. That's right. You Waiting. screwed that up, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, you and, did. And what are you going to do now? Good <laughs> yeah. job, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> good job. Tell your father I give my best. I don't I don't know if that was so much good parenting as he was just like, oh, well, I'm not going to stop him anyway. So... <laughs> That could have been a problem. Uh, where does where does mindfulness start to to come into play with all of these these things for for parents and for children? But let's start with with parents, especially since we're on that topic. With with all of them, but certainly with with the parents, with teachers, with any adults, mindfulness does not solve any problem for anyone. There's not an answer to whatever your problem is, but it does give you the space inside of yourself to know how I want to handle something or if something is really that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. And once I really established a consistent practice, I still today can get this feeling and it's not something that I can pinpoint in my stomach or in my brain or any place but I know if something happened that either is upsetting me or scaring me or worrying me even before I know what that thing is and I literally scan my horizon 
trying to figure out what that thing was. And just that five to 20 seconds of time is enough for me to give a response instead of a knee-jerk reaction that I'm going to be embarrassed about later. And that is a wonderful thing when you're at the grocery store with your child or your child won't leave the the house in time to get to school on time or whatever it is. You're, you might be ready to wring their necks, but, <laughs> but there is a better way. And right. mindfulness can help you find that. Fantastic. Uh, fantastic advice. Because I think, like you said, and it goes back even to helicopter parenting, you hear your kid is, has been picked on or they're having problems in, with a coach or with a teacher or whatever. And I think initially the instinct is to just jump in and say, well, that coach totally. and that kid and that so-and-so. But if you give your time to step back you can say okay well maybe what what is my kid doing to to get this right. at this point well what was the rest of that paragraph or what was the rest of that story what part mm-hmm. do i not know about actually there was a research study that said that one of the biggest things that upset children about a situation was how their parents responded to it mm-hmm. because if mommy and daddy are going to be that upset then this must be even worse than I thought. And that's even when you already have the hysterical child. Sure. So a parent having a calm response is the best. You know, parents are either the very best or not role model that a child is ever going to have. So it would do us all well to really think about what we're saying and what we're doing, because our children will say and do those exact same things. Sure, you, you've got the most influence over them, Absolutely. especially in their developmental age. Maybe when they get to 15, 16, maybe not as much, but still, you do still have some then, right? I mean, you know, you have more than you think even at 15 and 16, because a 15 and 16 year old might want you to think that I'm Mr. Macho and I'm cool and nobody, you know, nothing phases me. She's been but, reading my diary. That's... Yeah, but those are the children <laughs> that will internalize all of that upset is Mm. on the inside. All of that insecurity is inside. Hurt people hurt. Mm -hmm. Okay? So if you are that hurt person and you have seen that when mom and dad get upset, they yell or they scream or they throw something or whatever, that 15 or 16-year-old is going to pick up what their parents did. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I can think of countless examples, including within this room, and there's just you and me. So uh, <clears throat> moving on, uh, how do we impart this sort of uh, the, the mindfulness and the sort of introspective looking into kids so that we don't have to maybe necessarily wait until we get to our 30s or our 60s oh, or whatever? Absolutely. What, what are some strategies, you think, for that? You know, mindfulness is not only something that can help bring you calm and a sense of of relief, but it is also, according to Dr. Sandra Chapman at UT Dallas's Center for Brain Health, something that is very healthy for your brain. That's what she calls the power of none. It is also one of the scientifically proven strategies that helps a person's personal happy set point get higher Mm -hmm. and just teaching them how to watch their breath or 
teach them to listen, to pay attention, because that's what mindfulness really is. It's being aware of what is going on around you and within you. And helping and then giving you that time to develop the strategies totally. to deal. Totally. But you've got to first be able to recognize yes, you do. those things. So yes, that's, you and do. that's a practice. We found that in the year that we've been doing this, that it takes time to develop Absolutely. that as a habit. So you bet. Uh, very good stuff. Uh, I do want to mention before we go too far, and then I've I've got an interesting thing that I, I'd like to leave our listeners with. But you've got a website that's yes. got all kinds of information on it. Yes. What's that website uh, for folks? It is www.drsusiewolby.com. D-R-S-U-S-I-E-W-O-L-B-E <laughs> dot com, just like my name. And there are blogs that I've sent out every week that always have to do with either mindfulness or school education, but always children. Um, there are also some videos. So lots of things are available there. Fantastic. And uh, we'll link to that on our page as well. So uh, folks are listening, you can go to livehappy.com or livehappynow.com. You can go to all of them. Just check them all out and, and you'll learn something somewhere. And we'll be happy. Eventually. It'll be good. Yeah, we'll be happy and we'll learn things from, from Dr. Susie Wolf. I'm having trouble speaking. That's that's all. That's, we'll get it later. I, I'm, I'm mindful of the fact that I'm having trouble speaking. And now to fix it, I'm going to breathe. <laughs> and that's move right. On. There you all go. Right. Uh, <laughs> now, you mentioned earlier talking about a family having a coherent mission statement yes. or, or a vision. Right. Uh, we're, my wife and I are going to be starting a family very soon. Good for uh, you. We hope. Uh, if we wanted to create this vision or this mission statement, uh, what would be a process that we would go through to figure those things out? Well, I would tell you, even before you have children, you and your wife sitting down together and really thinking about what is the most important thing? Is it going to be and we need to be able to purchase a certain house or a certain car? Mm -hmm. Or is it going to be being happy, feeling fulfilled in what we do every day, knowing that we have each other's back and that we are each other's support system? And once your children when you have them, are <laughs> old enough, include them in those meetings with you. Certainly, for a child that young, it's going to be just on their level and their topics as appropriate. But this is something that I really didn't know about when I was raising my own children. Mm -hmm. And I sorely miss having had the opportunity because this is just one more way for everybody in a family to connect. The most important thing is not that car or being invited to that party. It is family meetings and setting up a, a mission statement are a way that you can stay on track. Well, does, does having three act activities after school one day, does that really meet the needs of our mission statement? Is that helping us achieve it? Oh, well, in that it says that we want to have close family time and we want to have dinner together X number nights a week. That's something that is proven crucial to children's success. That's just an opportunity. That, that statement mm -hmm. can end up being that guiding line for future decisions. And you just want to keep on going back to it. First, for you and your wife, when something changes and you see that something's missing or something you didn't include, you can go back. You you know, it's 
only paper. You get to rewrite. Whether <laughs> sure. you put it in pen, pencil, or the computer, you get to redo. You always get to change things. And you should change things because your life is evolving. And sure. you're evolving as individuals. It seems almost it, it, like the wisdom of the ancients who was, you know, this is what it means to be from house, you know, whatever. Right. And, but to create that even within your own family right. is, is important. You know, people move around a lot. You don't have as many families that are living multi-generational. Mm-hmm. You have people with family members living all over the world. And we're all so busy doing that, whether you say, I'm on disk overload, which is what we used to say about 20 years ago. <laughs> or if you say, I'm on overdrive, I don't care what you say. If we don't take time for that to establish a habit of self-care, and all of this is under that umbrella of self-care, mm-hmm. then we won't be able to take care of each other, ourselves, or the other people in our lives. Sure. Fantastic stuff. Fantastic way to end. Uh, Dr. Susie Wolby, thank you so much uh, for stopping by. Is there My anything pleasure. else you wanna, that you want to leave our listeners with, or are we... Just going to encourage them to hit the website and learn more. I think we're going to encourage them to learn more and uh, have a happy life. Fantastic. There, there is a download, I believe, right? Right. That we're going to be giving away uh, from the website, uh, drsusiewolby.com. Again, it'll be linked on our website, livehappynow.com. Hey, look, one take on that one. <laughs> uh, and what's going to be involved in that, uh, that download? That is actually a list of all the supplies that one might need for creating a home study area. Oh, perfect. Research at UT Dallas's Center for Brain Health and with mindfulness tells you that tells us that when we get distracted or interrupted from a task, it takes sometimes up to 23 minutes to get fully back on task. And when you have an elementary or middle or high school child or older, uh, anyone older, work or school, who is complaining or wondering why it takes them so long to accomplish a certain task, this is something they can help them. So okay. it's it's just a guide. If there's something on the list that is not something that you ever use, then you don't put it there. Sure. And if it is something <laughs> that you that you do use and is not included on the list, then you add it. But the goal is to complete whatever task you're working on without ever needing to get up. And even if you only give yourself 20 minutes to accomplish a task, then Give yourself a five or ten minute break, but you will get work done. It typically takes time and a half to complete work if you're listening to music, if you have TV in the background, Mm. if you're texting or instant messaging with friends. All of those things, it takes you time and a half to complete your work, and you do the work half as well. And this is the first step to getting rid of that because too much homework is always something that every family and every child is thinking about. Absolutely. And this is well-timed as we make our way uh, through the first semester of a new school year. Again, Dr. Wolby, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll look forward to uh, hearing more in the future. Thank you. Fantastic. Love talking to Susie Wolby. We'll have to talk to her again because this is a topic that I don't think is going away anytime soon. If you'd like a free sketch note of this episode or a free study area checklist, you can visit livehappynow.com and be sure to tune in next week as we sit down with director and producer Adam Schell as Live Happy Science editor Paula Phelps explores happiness 
through film. She's getting to do all the fun stuff. I have to talk to my agent. <laughs> we also look forward to talking to you. If there's anything you took away from this podcast, or if there's something you'd like to hear in a future podcast, let us know. You can find us on Twitter at LiveHappy, Facebook.com slash LiveHappy, or you can even send us an email, podcast at LiveHappy.com. For everybody here at Live Happy, I'm J.R. Houston saying so long, and thank you for helping us to live happy. <laughs>